0: Welcome to Just Go Grind, a show that focuses on helping you launch and grow a business and navigate the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Justin Gordon, and in this episode, we have Santi Pibiloni, founder and CEO of CORE, the next generation solution for creative and professional teams that intelligently suggests how to manage your projects, teams, and finances, in this episode we go through how santi started this company what he did to acquire customers in the early days some of the questions he asked around that to figure out who his customers were going to be building a software platform what's gone into that why he decided to go through 500 startups how he got a multi-billionaire as his angel investor raising his two and a half million dollar seed round customer acquisition strategy what goes into sales for a b2b SaaS company and much, much more in this episode. As always, the show notes are just slash podcast and you can support the show by leaving a rating and review over an Apple podcast. Without further ado, here is Santi, founder and CEO of Core. Santi, welcome to the show. Hi, Justin, yeah, thank, thanks for having us. Yes, appreciate you taking the time to come on here. I know you do your, your own show as well as running businesses. So I've seen that you've had some amazing guests on, on your show as well. And I just want to shout that out in the beginning because people should check it out. And for people who aren't familiar with, with Core, this business that you're running now, what are you guys doing at Core? So at Core, we're building the next generation software for
1: professional service firms. What we do is to intelligently suggest All companies that sell like ours, like creative agencies, consultants, law firms, software development shops, and others, how to intelligently manage their operations, their resources, and their finances, everything in one single solution, one single platform.
0: And with this as well, then, doing my research on this, it seems like a very kind of seamless situation with them in terms of making it obviously easy and simple for creatives to to run their businesses. How did this get started, though, in the first place, Santi? Good question. I mean, um, we started, uh, we, the founders, are
1: Argentinians, and we built uh, Balloon Group. We founded Balloon Group when we were 21, 22 years old, and... Although the company was named Argentina's fastest eco, e-commerce uh, fastest-growing e-commerce agency in the country, uh, with four hundred clients, uh, twelve different countries, uh, but bootstrapped like no fundraising at that time with Balloon Group. Although like we were succeeding a lot, we have a huge problem. You know, as, as you start getting clients and the, the team like the team grows your clients start to ask you for more requirements like more changes and everything changes from the original scope of work so once you negotiated the fee or the budget you start allocating more hours and more team that you want like that when you, what you estimated yeah so understanding if you're being if you're working on profitable projects is kind of impossible because You don't know where people are allocating time, in what task, in what project, for what client in real time. So when you have like 50 people working for different projects, you actually don't know if the estimated time is being uh, like matched with the the time spent, right? Yeah. So you end up having a lot of uh, projects, a lot lot of services that you're working for and you're working at. Uh, that are becoming not profitable and also you're not gonna deliver in time if you don't know uh, where your people are investing the time uh, so we said hey like I I sat down with 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 Jose our cof- my co-founder here at core and and also co-founder at, like partner at balloon group and he, I asked him like hey man, like how can we understand if we are like how like what's the profit for this month or for this quarter and so, like you said like this is impossible to know if we <laughs> don't know how many hours we are going to put into the projects right and, and and the clients are not willing to negotiate the fees so we said okay let's see how like big agencies like ddb bbdo ogilvy ynr uh, Havas, Densu, the companies from IPG, like, like how are they doing this? And we understood that it was, this was a problem, like worldwide, all around the globe, in the US, in Europe, in APAC, in like a- everywhere, in LATAM. And it was not just for creative agencies. It was for every, like, the whole billable hour market. And we were talking about a $50 trillion market Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Worldwide speaking, and then we we said like, hey, we have a huge opportunity here, as like all of these companies are having the same problem. So, when we sold part of that business, we exited the company and we moved to the valley in order to launch Core.
0: So, with that though, one thing I want to go back to is you mentioned that you, you saw this problem from all these other companies what were the questions you were asking them around this when you knew that you had this problem of kind of managing the craziness of these projects? Were you just calling them up and just asking, Hey, like, what are you, what are you using for your software stack on this? Like, how did you go about figuring that out, like getting deeper into the problem?
1: So yeah, most of the, the questions we were doing is like, can you understand if you if your projects are being profitable in real time, Most, most of the times the question was like, the answer was no. And like, how much time does it takes you to understand that? And the normal answer would be, I will have my, my finance team asking like multiplying time spent with our rate and subtracting that from budget or fees. And they will probably in the best scenario would, they will do that every quarter, uh, in big agencies, for example. And in that case, they probably have been working for three months on non-profitable projects for non-profitable clients. So we started doing that questions and at the same time, like asking, hey, what the, what's the tech stack? What, like, w- which tools are you using? And they normally will mention good tools, like nice tools for task management or collaboration, like... Asana or Trello or Monday or Jira or like whatever. And but like none of those tools has the PL on it. And yeah. none of those tools, like those are great horizontal tools for any given industry, not vertical tools for the professional service industry. So it's very different when you have Tool that actually solves everything in like for an, for the whole industry in just one solution in one single platform, and at the same time, uh, we put all of our like like a lot of investment uh, in in terms of time management. Ninety percent of the costs of of these like companies are ours, like yeah. their main asset is like the time of the people. So what we firstly understood is that if we know, if we can track where people are working at without manual inputs, and if we can estimate how much time a task would take without manual inputs, so we will kill it. We'll try. <laughs> we go, yeah, you can have a Gantt graphic, you have a, you can staff, you can, uh, have estimations, everything without any manual input. So that's, those were the questions we were doing to our, like, like to other like peers at that time. And when we understood that uh, the, the, the largest creative agencies, the largest consultancy firms, the largest software development shops have these problems. Then we said, okay, uh, let's
0: do this. And to that point then, Santi, so you you understood that even like the biggest companies in these industries, they, they didn't have a great solution to this problem. You decided that you and your co-founders wanted to go pursue this and you, you left your other company then to go do it. What were some of the first things you you did once you had those insights to build this platform? Because I don't know if you had built a software platform before. What are some of the first things you had to do?
1: Yeah. So yeah, the previous business we did was... um was this like e-commerce agency but at the same time uh, it was a digital like although it was not a software like we used to build like software and platforms for other uh, for clients right yeah so what we did is we invested some of our money in order to build an mvp a minimal viable product to test with some like SMBs, like some small and medium businesses that we, that we knew from there uh, at that time. And once we started validating some, some hypotheses and we knew that like people were, were willing to pay to understand in real time and automatically uh, if they're being profitable or not, then we said, okay, we need to make this fast like faster and and bigger. So this was like a little bit more than three years ago. And we were back then in, in Argentina. Now we're here in the Valley. And so we went I went to to Marcos Galperin. Marcos Galperin is like the is like the Jeff Bezos in Latin America. <laughs> um, Marcos is the founder and CEO of Mercado Libre. Mar- Mercado Libre is Today, I would say like a probably like a $60 billion uh, company in Nasdaq. Um, and it's the Amazon down there. So, so he was our first angel investor. And with that uh, and two more others, we we moved here. We entered into 500 startups here in San Francisco. And and yeah, we started executing as fast as we could to, to provide... The world with this solution and to solve this problem because you know people would say okay but apart from a, a great opportunity like what makes you like happy on on solving this problem yeah and i would find a lot of reasons but one big reason is that if you find a creative person a designer uh, a copywriter that would that is happy with his salary his or her salary please let me know (laughs) Uh, because and the problem is not that the owners of the agencies or professional service firms are are keeping the profits the problem is that you cannot increase the costs if you are decreasing your 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 revenue right so or if the revenue is always the same you cannot increase more and more and more your costs because you're gonna go bankrupt, right? So it's, it's very difficult to increase your people's salary if you're not increasing your fees to, to, to your clients. So that said, we, I'm glad and I'm very proud that we are helping professional service firms to better negotiate their fees with their clients so that they can also help their teams to have a better career path, right?
0: Yeah, and it's such an important thing to understand where your numbers are. <laughs> to that point, like if you don't, if you don't have a clear picture of what what it is, it's really hard to predict out, and especially in services and these projects and the work, this type of work that you, the people you're working with, obviously are, are doing. And one thing I just can't gloss over, I had to go back to. You mentioned this company that obviously this guy started that's you know, sixty billion dollars or whatnot. How did you get him as an angel investor? Hmm. Um, <clears throat> I
1: asked a friend of mine to, like, a friend in common, to put us in touch. Uh, I was a mentor at Endeavor, and Endeavor is uh, like a like an nonprofit that is very strong in Latin, although it's, it's worldwide. And and Marcos is is like the like the president or the like the person who also funded uh, this NGO a lot. In order to to help other entrepreneurs uh get up and running in, in Latham, so i was a mentor there and he was kind of like the the alma mater of that of that ngo there so we we kind of like saw each other a couple of times but um of course i was like i don't know like 25 years old <laughs> 26 uh, and Marcos has a public company, the largest one in, in, in Argentina and Latam. And so I, I, I went to a friend of him in common and, and asked him for, uh, for an introduction and Marcos, that is a very humble person. And is uh, everyone who knows him, like admires him a lot. Uh, and he said, Hey, Santi, yes, please come on over uh, today's Monday. Come, come to my office on, on Wednesday. So I went there and I just like talk about the problem and I said like, Hey, this is a huge problem. Like $50 trillion are invested every year in professional service firms, like in the billable hour market. And these, these revenues that these companies are making are being managed very poorly. Like there's a lot to optimize. And and I and I told him why, and I told about the big market I, and and our kind of like past success, although it, we were young and and, and 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 nothing compared with him. <laughs> and, um, he said like, yeah, I mean, uh, wow, yeah. So he was the like the first or one of the first persons that, that trusted in the business and then after 500 years, also like big, big entrepreneurs from the Valley came in to the company like Kevin O'Connor, the founder of DoubleClick, the like the largest company that Google ever acquired for over $3 billion. He also founded uh, one other billion dollar company and also Graphic, the company was acquired by Amazon uh, like yeah. about or two years ago. And and after that, also like Doug Smith came in. Doug Smith is the founder of AnaPlan, eight eight billion dollars IPO last year. Then Tom Tom Chavez, that is the founder of Cracks. Cracks sold to Salesforce for over one billion as well. <laughs> um, so and, and Marcos, and then the HubSpot BB of sales uh, for Latham and. I mean, uh, and the former CEO at Yahoo or, or today, the uh, chief business, business officer at, at Verizon Media. So, and some funds, uh, institutional funds, so that came in. So we are trying to, to create a, a great team, not just investors and advisors, of course, but also an awesome team in, when it comes to uh, the technical side and the marketing and sales and customer success side and, and, and everything. We are trying to be uh, our like we are here for the long term, and we have a big ambition. So we are trying to build a very like a very important team, not just in terms of like technically, but also uh, like values and alignment with the vision of the company.
0: Yeah, and it's it's impressive that you've been able to put together that that team of advisors. I think anyone would be jealous of having that on their company and taking it step back you mentioned the 500 startups at that time you obviously had founded a company and had some success with it you know a service based kind of company but you you had some success with that you had this idea for a, a massive problem that you're going to solve why did you decide to go through an accelerator like 500 startups that's a great question and i would say that
1: mostly because although we knew how to build a company we didn't know how to make a software like a SaaS, a software service company. Yeah. We didn't know the we didn't know the like the the the, the KPIs, the one metric that matters the most. Uh, we did not know how to scale a, a pre-sales, sales, and customer success management team in terms of like of software um the best practices to like you know like all the saas has like the software as a service industry has a, a has a pretty good playbook uh, in order how to scale uh, a business in terms of outbound and inbound and and we we wanted to get that knowledge so we wanted to have the best mentors in the industry um, and at the same time we wanted also we came from latam uh, and we had like no name here so also having 500 startups in silicon valley validating our team and our ideas also will help us to to at that time make our seed round uh, bigger and faster
0: and how how big is the seed round for you guys 2.5 million dollars and that was so Pretty soon after 500 Startups, that was when you closed that?
1: Um, so we started, we, we did it after 500, and then we kind of like oversubscribed it a little bit.
0: Gotcha. And then from that then, so understanding that you you went through that program to learn and kind of get this the SaaS playbook of sorts. And it's funny, I just talked to a couple of SaaS founders recently who've had some pretty massive success, and there's a lot of things that go into that. But then raising that funding then, what was kind of your your customer acquisition strategy at that point in those early days, maybe the first year or so, um, as you had gone through 500 startups, learned a few things there, raise, you know, institutional capital, how are you acquiring customers at that point? So
1: funny thing, like we, if I could uh, move the time back, uh, (laughs) I would never have spent some like dollars in, in advertising in marketing for our B2B enterprise solution um, at that time. So we started with that. And soon as we get, we got into 500 startups, we had a great mentor at the time was a Nish core. And I always, I have always been thankful to him. He, I remember him, he said, he told me, Hey, Santi, if you don't come next Wednesday and uh, without I, at that time we had a 30 year a 30 days free trial and we were we were targeting smbs yep and we were targeting smbs with a free trial 30 days free trial and with um so doing advertising for them to come in to the platform and at the same time we were charging with no contracts, so there was no contract. You can leave whenever you want, and you you were paying monthly. So mm-hmm. monthly without contracts, without thirty days free trial, coming through marketing campaigns. <laughs> and he said, "Okay, Santi, you need to throw all of this away." All of it. <laughs> and I said, "Like no, Nish, I mean." Uh, now, like this is working. We are having a lot of inbound leads and Sandy, this is not going to work. If you don't throw this away for next Wednesday, I'm going to ask for 500 like CEO or director to like, not to mentor you again. And I said like, what? Okay. <laughs> yeah. So next Wednesday, he came by and said like, okay, show me the KPIs. And it was like very rigorous and very re- very rigorous process, but I I love those kind of, of, of like very numbers driven. And he said, Okay, why is why is these numbers? blah 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 And I said like, okay, niche, like we are we we minimized the demo, like the trial for 15 days, but we didn't remove it. And he said like this is your last chance, Santi. Like like or we or we remove the trial today the both of us here together or i will quit mentoring you and this was just the second session oh wow (laughs) yeah it was like we were like 15 days since we started in like the, the the mentorship process in 500 so he said that and i said okay fine let's quit it and and he said, like, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to move everything to outbound. So we need to find the ICP, like the buyer persona. We need to find like, who's the person that like really wants to buy your software. Um, who like, who's this person? What's his role? Um, what's the size of the company? What's the ACV, like the pricing for him, uh, and everything. So we built all of that. And one week after, two weeks after, we were hiring SDRs, like sales development representative people, Uh, like that were calling and emailing uh, our prospects. And once we finished five hundred startups, we were, we had as clients some of the largest creative agencies in the world in eight different countries. Today we have. All the largest creative agencies in the world, like if you mention the, like all WPP, Omnicom, IPG, uh, publicist Group, Havas, and Dentsu, that are like the largest holding companies from communications, we have all of them as clients, and in eighteen different countries. And we are we have the ambition and the vision to to make it globally. So five hundred startups for us was key in order to understand that process.
0: There's there's so much to learn there. And that I want to dive a little bit deeper too is on the pricing side of it, because that part, especially for B2B companies, B2B SaaS companies specifically, uh, there's a lot that goes into that. And I just had a conversation I mentioned this morning, I think it was... Uh, I meet Mishra from iMocha, and they've gotten to I think they're at two hundred something thousand uh, MRR right now, and they really evolved their pricing over time. Where they started, I think they started at like fifty dollars a month, and now they're I mean they're hundreds and hundreds, and some of their some of their orders are you know, hundreds of thousands actually for the, some of the customers. How have you thought about the pricing as it's gone on from that switch where you had this you know thirty day trial to then cutting that out and changing it? How has the pricing then evolved to? today in terms of how you think about that, Santi?
1: Right. So one of the things he, he, he told us was not just like removing the free trial. He also said like, you need to double the price. And at the same time, eh, if this problem is not only like suffered by SMBs, but also from by la- large companies, we need to tackle those. So we started like, we doubled the price. And we went to Fortune 500 companies. So, and that said, today we have a, a pricing, uh, for the U S and then a, a pricing for like, we, for also like non-developed countries. We, we have some like another pricing Yeah, and, and, and uh, we, we price per seat. So per user per month. And most like the whole company needs to have a a seat. So like we charge $30 per user per month on a, and everyone in the company uh, should have a user because it's the best way to understand if you're making or losing money with, with, with any given project. Yeah. Uh, And at the same time, we are developing different like models or products, uh, like sub-products that are building, like are are being deployed within the same uh, like mother product, and we are charging them separately. So we are moving uh, towards uh, and an, a more enterprise product with a um, with where you can choose either like to. Adding some different models, or just like having the the enterprise solution in terms of the like you have like the professional, the premier, and the enterprise, right? Uh, So you either can add on some features, or you can go all in with the with the heavy, the most like the more complete.
0: Yeah, and. And on that note as well, with with that, with obviously evolving the prices, you mentioned double, doubling the prices at one point and really adjusting based on customers doing it per seat. And this is something you've you figured out over time. And I, I know that from just doing a little research of you do some sales and fundraising, kind of mentoring for five hundred startups at this point now. I'm curious as to when you're doing that with let's start with the sales side, I guess. What are some of the things you're seeing with with companies that are you know going through that that you need to help them with on kind of the sales side because you do have so much experience with it at this point what are some of those things you're normally helping companies with with sales?
1: so first thing would be to understand the ICP and who not only not also the buyer persona but also the champions the champion is the person that would would win the, the deal for you when you're not there so if you make a person understand a person within your your client's company understand why they need your solution to solve their problem they will actually when they sit together in their in their table or in their zoom with, <laughs> um, like when the buyer sits with it with champion or champions like different people or, or a couple of people um they will the champions are the the ones that are gonna say hey uh, we need this solution so you don't just need to 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 convince the champions the the buyer but also like to put the champions on your side right and and that is mostly through there are two key things there are the roi like what's the return of investment that these people are gonna have in terms of like are you going to optimize their business Are are you going to make them save money? Are are you going to help them grow in terms of revenue or profits? How's that going to impact on their, on their bonuses, on their, on their careers? Um, what's the data that they would love to have to show to their, to their managers, to their bosses, to their leaders? Um, so that's key. And then the factor of urgency. Like, you need to make them know that any, like, if, if they wait one more day, they will deliver a non profitable project and with delay. Right. Yeah. So, how, how much does it cost to lose Coca Cola or Nike as a client? Right. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> or Google or Facebook or whatever. Right. So, and that's in terms of like, uh like helping to close the deals but how you start this right so you actually can uh, either build or purchase uh a list with the with all your buyers uh, personas for example let's say the CFOs of like creative agencies and and that would be the, the buyer and then as champion you can purchase a list of uh, like account director, creative director, CEOs, COOs, um, and you will build a set of like sequences that you will use a tool like, for example, HubSpot to to send them over. And once you send the, the cadence, um, you will, so the... A book that I would recommend to do this is you 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 should read predictable revenue. Mm, uh, yep. Predictable revenue is a book written by Aaron Ross, the former chief revenue officer at Salesforce. That's like a kind of smart playbook that has all also been um then if you if you also put the, the knowledge of The Sales Acceleration Formula that is written by Mark Roberge, the former chief revenue officer at HubSpot. I think with those those books, you will understand the process of, like, first, you, you get the accounts, you understand which are the accounts that you need to tackle, you put the buyer persona of those accounts, you write them through email, through LinkedIn, through, like, cold calling, um... You you build the champions. Then after doing the discovery call with those champions, so you can actually understand and you qualify if there's a band like budget, authority, need, and time. If you actually understand if there's a band and and the prospect is qualified for a sale. uh, So after you do this discovery call and with those champions and you put those people on your side, you actually ask them. What's the, like, how, how's the decision process working? Uh, Who's the person that makes a decision? So they, they probably would point on our, on our clients would, would be like CFO, COO, or CEO. Normally it's the CFO. And so then we do a demo and a call with him. And then like, so first is the SDR that builds the account, makes a discovery call. Qualifies the month budget authority in real time. If if the account is not qualified for a sale, and that's fine, it's probably time like it's. We need to nurture nurture them. We need to educate them more about the the problems they are in. So that will be a marketing qualified lead, and that's go that goes again to marketing. So marketing will actually help them like sending data and, 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 content that would like nurture and, and make them like warm. If, if the contact or, or, or the account was qualified for a sale, that's a SQL instead of an MQL, that's a sales qualified lead. And they will actually make uh, the SDR would schedule a demo with the account executive, the account executive is a more senior salesperson that would open the deal to validate that the SDR made a good job would open a deal on a CRM yeah. and you need to track all of the, um, the, the you open the deal, you, and you like, you like products, product, product explore, then you like kind of like you evaluation. And then it's like the negotiation and you need to get good knowledge on what your sales cycle is and what your conversion rate is. So you can build a predictable revenue model where you can actually understand and and, and make good uh, projections and good, um, yeah, forecasts on what's the, the revenue and the growth month over month is going to be for the next like month, quarter or year.
0: For that. And that's obviously, I appreciate the the exp- explanation of that. I think it's really helpful for anyone who's building a, a company and needs a, a sales process in place. And uh, those books you mentioned as well, I'll link those up in the show notes at just go grind.com slash podcast so people can make sure they have them there. But from that process, then you mentioned kind of the content side of it. And uh, on the marketing side, I know, obviously, I, I mentioned at the beginning of the show, you are doing a, a video series of sorts where you're interviewing a lot of the, the investors you have in your company and advisors who are incredibly smart. Uh, is that, how does that play into the business? Is that just uh, more for fun for you? I'm just curious to how that fits into everything you're kind of doing with, with core as well.
1: The video podcast that we are doing is mostly to help our audience that are mostly like creative and professional teams. As I said, like all people, all the mark, the billable our market, we need to, make them closer uh, to help them to be closer with like, like big icons in the industry. So we had last time, like our, the former CEO, like global CEO at BML YNR, former young and Rubicam, one of the yes. largest agencies in the world. Um, and wow. yeah, we, we had. Our also our investors and advisors that the ones that also know the the advertising industry very well. We had some like very senior consultants, a former CEO at, at Bain, consultants at WPP uh, in New York. Uh, so the reason why we do that is to educate the industry uh, on the importance of solving the problem that we are trying to to help them solve, right?
0: Yeah, I can see the value from that. Obviously, I understand the content side with things I've done on content for different companies over the past few years and seeing just how the educational piece and moving kind of people along on that is helpful, especially when you're doing something that you mentioned how big the market size is and just really wasn't being solved. Having these videos with these people that, I mean, are giants in the industry, which I, I was doing the research and looking through, and just person after person, like this billion-dollar company, this billion-dollar company, I was like, okay, well, that's pretty useful for people. Uh, on that note, then, with that being one piece of kind of the, the content growth side, today, then, what else are kind of you focused on? You personally, I'm curious as to, you know, in, in your role, founder, CEO, at this point, 2020, you're a few years in the business, what are you spending most of your time on now, Santi?
1: So today, I'm spending most of my time building uh, a great culture within the company Uh, as we are scaling, we're today a team of 40 people and we are preparing ourselves for a next round in a couple of months from now. So relationship with investors, with with the executive team, and also like the values and keep everyone aligned with the culture. And of course, a lot of stuff in, in terms of marketing, we are rebranding the whole company now in, we, we will be launching it uh, next week. So in terms of marketing, in terms of, of press, in terms of uh, also with sales, like when, when it comes to enterprise uh, SaaS solutions, you kind of do like global solution selling So this global solution selling where you will have like one person on on, on your client uh, very happy and referring you to another office, probably of the same company in another country on these multinational companies, uh, or probably to another, just a different company. Uh, So you will like help these things, like you will enable these things to happen and also like hiring. How can you scale faster, right? And um, yeah, I'm most of my time spent on on those things, also like building these relationships to to help tech, to enable this global solution selling.
0: And on that note, as well, with all that you could be working on as a, as a founder CEO, there, there's so many different tasks, and obviously focus is a huge part of that. But from the perspective of managing your own psychology, your own health as well. How do you step away? How do you kind of take time off to recover and kind of rejuvenate yourself? That's a challenging one.
1: Um, first on the professional side, I, I, I try to hire the best people and the best people on the stage we are. Right. Like, um, of the the stage of the company and the stage of the funding and and i and i trust our smart team a lot if if i wouldn't trust them i mean it it will be kind of ridiculous to to hire smart people and then having me taking all like making all of the decisions right (laughs) yeah So, so that said that's one thing like try to deliver and and also, and at the same time, when I when I deliver, I also I, I wrote uh, a document that is that says how to work with Santi. <laughs> yeah, and it's not because I it's it's just for five six people in the company, the like direct reports, but it's just to like to not to have a miscommunication, right? Um, I value transparency a lot. I value so I like I love working uh, with some like with a, a set of values, and I wanna be upfront on that. Uh, so I, I believe that most of the problems are so how to work with Santi is not a ego thing. It's a it's a I I, I read that on a Elias book uh, the the high growth. High growth handbook, um, and and it's b- very recommendable in order to be upfront to 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 avoid communications conflicts. Like most of the problems come from like s- setting expectations, and the expectations are made by communication. Right. So if you try to be clear on that on the very beginning. That will help you a lot along the way. And at the same time, what I do for like relaxing or recharging, uh, it's all about nature and the people that I love. Uh, I try to spend as much time as I can with the people that I love and and in nature, the mountains. I mean, California is great for that. Oh, yeah.
0: (laughs) I think the nature part of it, it comes up actually quite frequently in terms of founders using nature as a way to step away from, from work. And I think it just makes sense with how much time we are, especially now during pandemic times, we're at a screen, uh, so much (laughs) and it's just like we need to get away from that get outside i know that whenever i'm kind of in a rut just getting outside is is everything uh even if it's just for a short walk or something to take a break from the screens of hours and hours every day it's something that it's it's so beneficial i think for the mental side of things and kind of keeping your health in the long term so you can continue to work at at a high level and and sante where can people go to learn more about core to connect with you as well you
1: can find us And our url that is projectcore.com project core is cor.com and you can also find us in linkedin in facebook in in instagram and you can also write us an email at info at projectcore.com and and also use the chat within the the website if if you wanna also look if you want to if you want to see a demo, if you want to talk with us, or you want to work with us, uh, we will have a, we would be happy to to receive your message.
0: Awesome. I'll be sure to link that up in the show notes as well. Just go grind.com slash podcast. I definitely could write, think of a thousand more questions to ask you. I know we're out of time. But Santi, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show today. Thank you, Justin. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Just Go Grind. If you want to follow along on the socials for all things Just Go Grind and with me as well, you can find Just Go Grind on Instagram and Twitter at Just Go Grind. You can find me on Twitter at JustinGordon212. Find me on Instagram, JustinGordon8. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day.